0: This week on The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: People say, well, how can you care about chimps when there's so much suffering among people? And the answer is, if you don't address the suffering of the people, conservation will never, never work. The thing is, we're all interconnected.
0: I'm Neil Harvey. This week, Dr. Jane Goodall presents her reasons for hope. It's tears in the eyes, rainbow in the heart on The Bioneers. Much like us, chimpanzees are capable of a rich arc of emotions, including profound love and compassion. Strong supportive bonds between mothers and children can endure throughout a lifetime of 60 years or more. We know these kinds of things about chimpanzees because of one extraordinary woman, Dr. Jane Goodall, or Dr. Jane as she's affectionately known by millions around the world. Dr. Jane's love of animals became obvious as a young girl in 1940s wartime Britain. When her family visited a farm, Jane's job was to collect eggs from the chickens. On fire to learn where those eggs came from, she hid in the hen house for hours to conduct her first study of animal behavior. Thinking she'd gone missing, her terrified family called the police. Finding her, her mother saw the excitement in Jane's eyes and encouraged her to make a full report on the marvel of how a hen lays an egg. Young Jane's mother taught her to read with books like The Wind in the Willows. When she could read on her own, she adored Dr. Dolittle. later fell madly in love with Tarzan of the apes, and became enthralled by the dream of going off to Africa to live with animals and write books about them. Young Jane's mother guided her to study and work hard to reach her dreams. Her enthusiasm, moxie, and formidable knowledge so impressed Dr. Louis Leakey, the world-renowned paleontologist and anthropologist, that he dispatched her to what is today Tanzania's remote Gombe National Park to begin a research project. Her mother came as a chaperone. It has been 50 years since Dr. Jane began her intensive solitary studies of chimpanzee behavior. Her work and insights have revolutionized primatology and helped us as human beings to realize how close our kinship is with the animal kin dumb. Join us for Tears in the Eyes, Rainbow in the Heart, Dr. Jane Goodall's Reasons for Hope with visionary primatologist, conservationist, and UN Messenger of Peace, Dr. Jane Goodall. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature.
1: It's pretty amazing that the research on the Gombe chimpanzees has been going on now for 50 whole years, half a century. And, of course, during those 50 years, we've learned a tremendous amount about these amazing chimpanzees, how like us they are. But also there's something a bit sad in that when I began, there were somewhere way over a million chimpanzees across Africa, and today there's less than 300,000.
0: Early in her research, Dr. Jane recognized the human threats to chimps in their habitat. Despite the establishment of the Jane Goodall Institute in 1977 and other valiant global efforts, the dwindling population of chimpanzees in Gombe were confined to a small protected area of forest surrounded by bare fields where people were desperately trying to grow food to feed themselves.
1: And it really came home to me in the early 90s. I was in a small plane, And we flew over the whole area, across the national park and the surrounding hills. And what had been lush forest in 1960 for miles and miles along Lake Tanganyika was, apart from the tiny Gombe, which was like a forested jewel on the edge of the lake, outside that, the hills were bare. And it was very, very clear that there were more people living there than the land could support. It was clear that the land had in many cases lost its fertility from over-farming. And so the question came, well, how can we even try to save these chimpanzees if the people living around are struggling to survive? And it was that experience that led to the Jane Goodall Institute Take Care Program. That's T-A-C-A-R-E. And it began in 1994 with just 12 villagers And I think the reason it's been so successful, it's in 42 villages now around the park and moving down south. The reason it's worked so well is because it was initiated, as far as the villages were concerned, by a team of Tanzanians, local Tanzanians, selected for their knowledge of the languages and the culture. And they went in not arrogantly saying, well, you've made a mess of this. We've got some ways for you to improve your lives, but rather the traditional African way, sit down with the heads of the village and talk to them about their situation and ask what they feel would be the best way to improve their lives. They couldn't have cared less about conservation back then. It was, how do we grow more food? How do we have better health, and how do we have education for our children. Those were the three. So that's where we began.
0: The Take Care program partnered with other NGOs to provide clean drinking water and teach sustainable farming methods. Taking the Grameen Bank as its model, Take Care also established a microcredit program for local women entrepreneurs.
1: And so the women are empowered. And they don't get loans unless the project they submit is environmentally sustainable. So it's known all around the world that as women's education improves, family size tends to drop. So we give scholarships to keep girls in school. We've discovered that one of the main reasons for girls to stop school before they graduate is at puberty – they simply can't face the latrines because they're filthy they stink there's no privacy they can't lock the door so you know at puberty they they often quit school altogether so for the sake of a lavatory you know if you're saying that women need to be educated so we provide what's known as vip uh, vip latrines which is ventilation improved pit latrines uh, very simple but The main thing is the doors lock. And we also provide information about family planning because obviously it would be totally irresponsible not to address the problem that led to the situation in the first place, which is population growth. So the final piece in this whole puzzle was finding really good coffee up in the high hills, persuading the first coffee roaster who came was Green Mountain coffee roasters. They said, yeah, this is great coffee. Bought a couple of containers. There is a specialty brand called Gombe Reserve, which benefits us a little bit, uh, benefits the farmers hugely. They've never had money like this before. And as a result of that, all the different villages around Gombe and bordering other remnant chimpanzee groups have agreed to set aside the land, the government requires them to set aside for conservation in such a way that it's forming a buffer around Gombe. And I stood there uh, about 18 months ago, and I looked out over hills that had been totally bare. And now they're green with 20 foot high trees. And I was actually in tears because it, it worked. And we've got the beginnings of these corridors towards other remnant chimp groups. And that's the only hope for the Gombe chimps because there's only about 100. That's not a big enough gene pool to be viable in the long term. Since
0: 1994, Dr. Jane has devoted a great deal of time to helping create innovative, community-centered conservation and development programs in Africa. Her work has helped local people benefit from preserving their environment.
1: So everybody's benefited, and that's the message that I think is so important. You know, people say, well, how can you care about chimps when there's so much suffering among people? And the answer is, if you don't address the suffering of the people, conservation will never, never work. So by a sort of process of seeing at different times what was going on and creating a program to address it, we've helped the chimps, we've helped the people, and uh, the future generations. The thing is, we're all interconnected. That's what we have to realize, and you can't address a piece of a problem. You have to think holistically.
0: By understanding and communicating those interconnections, Goodall has transformed not only our understanding of animals, evolution, and nature, but also our very view of what it means to be human. She advocates for worldwide well-being, Her current passion is a youth-driven program called Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots. It began in Tanzania in 1991 with 12 high school students and has spread to more than 120 countries around the world. Each local group chooses three different kinds of projects, one to benefit animals, one to benefit people, and another to benefit the environment.
1: Roots and Shoots uh, really began because when I was traveling the world and talking about the plight of chimpanzees and rainforests. I kept meeting young people who seemed to have lost hope. And I'm talking really about high school and university, and also some young people out in their first jobs. And they were either depressed or angry, sometimes violent, or just apathetic. That was the biggest number, were just apathetic, and didn't seem to care what they did. And when I talked to them, They all said more or less the same thing. You know, we feel this way because we feel you've compromised our future, and there's nothing we can do about it. And we have compromised their future. There's no question. You know, you hear this little phrase, we haven't inherited this planet from our parents, we've borrowed it from our children. That's not true, because when you borrow, you plan to pay back. We've been stealing, stealing, stealing from our children. And Roots and Shoots is to bring back hope in the lives of young people by helping them to understand there is a lot that we can do about it. And it's up to us as individuals and then see the collective benefit and value and change that can be brought about by people getting together and doing small things to make the world a better place.
0: Dr. Jane Goodall seeks to empower young people to start where they live, to better understand their world, and then take action to bring help and hope to their communities.
1: I tell people to think of a big tree and then think how it began as a little seed, putting out tiny little white roots and a tiny little shoot. seems so small and weak at that time, but those little roots to reach the water can work through rocks and eventually knock them aside. And that little chute to reach the sunlight can work through cracks in a brick wall and eventually knock it down. So if we think of the rocks and the walls as all the problems we've inflicted on the planet, environmental but also social, then roots and shoots is hope hundreds and thousands of young people around the world can break through and make this a better world for all living things.
0: When we return with quiet compassion, Dr. Jane Goodall urges us to take action on behalf of our children and the world's wondrous diversity. This is Tears in the Eyes, Rainbow in the Heart, Dr. Jane Goodall's Reasons for Hope. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Bioneers Radio is made possible in part by John Masters Organics. Feel good about looking good. Learn more at johnmasters.com. To explore more Bioneers radio shows and conference videos for free, visit bioneers.org. When Jane Goodall first set foot in Africa to study chimpanzees in 1960, her mother was at her side. With only six months of funding, the pressure was on for her to make some kind of discovery But every day, the chimpanzees ran away from her. Every evening, she returned to camp a little more discouraged. She did manage to make the first observations of what chimps ate, how they moved around in small groups, and how they bent over branches in the trees to make a comfortable nest at night. But no breakthroughs. After four months of watching her daughter watching chimpanzee behavior, Jane's mother had to leave Africa just before the breakthrough discovery that secured her daughter's legendary research career. One day the indomitable young researcher spotted a black shape hunched over a termite mound using a blade of grass as a utensil to scoop termites up and eat them. In those days it was thought that only human beings made and used tools. Her observation opened new worlds of understanding of our primate relatives Dr. Jane credits her mother for encouraging her to follow her dreams in the first place. Everywhere she goes today, Dr. Jane, as many call her, finds reasons for hope. The first reason is one she knows well from her own experience.
1: That is giving me a lot of hope because everywhere there are these young people with shining eyes wanting to tell Dr. Jane what they've been doing to make this a better world. And you know, the variety of projects. I mean, these kids around the world and some adults too, you know, the the imagination. It's incredible the scope of what they're doing and the difference that they're making, real difference. So that's one area for hope. And the second, the human brain. It's a question I often ask. I talk a lot about similarities between humans and chimpanzees and they're amazing, incredible. But, of course, also we're different and for me the main difference is the explosive development of the intellect. So, even a very bright chimp, and there are very bright chimps who do all sorts of things with computers in captivity, but you can't compare them with a normal, average human intelligence. Certainly wouldn't make sense to compare them with Einstein. So, You know, here we are, this most intellectual species ever to walk planet Earth. So how come we're destroying our only home? And I think we've lost wisdom, the wisdom of the indigenous people who made a decision based on how does this help our people generations ahead, instead of today, how will it help me now, or the next shareholders meeting three months ahead. So if there's been a disconnect between head and heart, Hopefully the young people can help to heal that, that divide. It's really when people start considering their own individual lives that the brain also starts to, the wheels spin and people start to get it and start to think. And so I always tell them, you know, if you just start thinking about the consequences of the simple choices you make each day, what do you eat? How far has it come? How many food miles? Did it harm the environment? Was there a lot of pesticide? Or is it organic? Did it involve some kind of horrible labor in the fields? Child slave labor, perhaps. And uh, think about what you buy to wear. How was it made? Again, how ethical was it? And we have a choice. We don't have to buy products that are made in an unethical, environmentally unfriendly way. We have that choice. Very poor people don't. They have to buy the cheapest. But many of us, many of the people listening now, do have that choice. So the human brain linked to the human heart. And then my third reason for hope is the resilience of nature. And I have been absolutely amazed to see how Places that have been utterly desecrated by us, given time and perhaps help, can be restored. Not exactly as they were before, probably, but at least to support life and to once again be beautiful. And I take the River Thames in London. It was stinking. It was almost like a drain. And life was dead. But then people decided, now we'd better do something about this, and there were stricter laws. And today there's fish and birds, and, you know, that's happened with rivers all over the planet. And forests have been cut down, but as around Gombe, give them a chance, and especially in the tropics, the trees will grow back again. It won't be totally as it was, but getting on that way. Animal species on the brink of extinction can be given another chance.
0: Dr. Jane Goodall is perhaps the most committed, indefatigable visionary working today to conserve life's diversity in the global environment. Perhaps she's so extraordinarily effective because she radiates a sense of wonder for nature while showing incredibly authentic respect for people.
1: The last book I wrote, Hope for Animals and Their World, I really love to promote this book because, for me, it was the most inspirational journey collecting up these stories of animals on the brink of extinction, and just as important, even more important, the determination the of the biologists or sometimes just you know ordinary people who just felt well, we can't let the species disappear forever. We've got to do something about it. And so the book is a collection of these amazing stories about these amazing people.
0: People saving pandas in China the black robin in New Zealand, the golden lion tamarind in Brazil, and more.
1: The Delhi Sands giant flower-loving fly. Isn't that a great name? The Delhi Sands giant flower-loving fly. And, you know, why bother to save a fly? Well, it has a wonderful habitat. And so by by concentrating on the Endangered Species Act, uh, which means you can't destroy the environment, you save the environment. And that's happened again and again. And then my final reason for hope is the indomitable human spirit and we find it with the roots and shoots kids some of them are amazing we find it with these biologists saving endangered habitats and animals you can take people like nelson mandela who came out of 17 years of hard physical labor and had the incredible ability to forgive which enabled him to lead his nation out of the evil of apartheid without a bloodbath And uh, these indomitable spirits are all around us. People like Nelson Mandela, with a high profile everybody's heard of, but they're just down the street in a little shop, and if you bother to talk to people and they tell you their story, you think, how on earth did they survive that?
0: And how on earth will we conserve and sustain our precious planet? Underlying all our stories and all our struggles is a love for life. E.O. Wilson calls it biophilia, the innate love that life has for life. Everyone can find joyous inspiration in the wonders of nature and nourishment in our connection with all life on earth.
1: You know, as I am traveling 300 days a year, and it is all over the world, and of course when I arrive somewhere to give a talk, What happens? People come up to me, the special interests, you know. Jane, please, could you mention this? It would be absolutely fantastic if you could talk about that in your lecture. Could you sign this petition? So I get to hear about all the problems. But at the same time, I haven't encountered a problem or seen a problem or read about a problem where there wasn't a group of passionate, dedicated people who were trying to do something to put this right. And, you know, in some cases, this means people are risking their health, risking even losing their lives. They're working for little or no money. And, I mean, this has to be a huge reason for hope that everywhere these desperate situations have a group of, of incredibly dedicated people who are working and working and working and won't give up until they find a solution, till so there is a change.
0: Dr Jane has inspired tens of millions of us around the world to see and deeply feel the world through the eyes of other cultures and in turn the absolute absurdity of the human condition. She's taught us to truly understand that we're but one species in this wondrous web of life.
1: Well, I think, you know, I can judge the success of a message that I give by looking out over the people and the number of hankies that go up to eyes. And it really is that um, one of the Native Americans has this lovely saying, without tears in the eyes, there's no rainbow in the heart. And since the rainbow is the symbol for hope, then all these tears mean that people get it. And they say to me afterwards, you know, thank you for making me understand that my life is more important than I thought it was. That's the best thing anybody could ever say to me.
0: Dr. Jane Goodall. Tears in the eyes, rainbow in the heart. Dr. Jane Goodall's Reasons for Hope. Bioneers radio programs and conference videos are available online for free at Bioneers.org, where you can also find out how to attend the annual Bioneers conference and local Bioneers satellite conferences near you. Bioneers voices are heard more widely with your help. Join by visiting Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive Producer, Kenny Osebel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Osebel. Senior Producer, Neil Harvey. Managing Producer, Stephanie Welch. Production Management, Aaron Leventman and Chuck Castleberry. Station Relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Interview Recording Engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rycodisc label. Additional music was made available by John DeCat at www.soundstrue.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the Underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the pioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0511. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, organic and family-owned since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.coop. Also by Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, as well as by the generous support of listeners like you.